who is my neighbor? I read that and I seem to be able to forget all of my mistakes and look at the, at the scholar and have a good chuckle at him. But I can also identify with him. There have been more than a few times in my own life when I should have just sat down and let people think that I was a fool rather than keep yammering on and remove all doubt. But the scholar chooses for yammering on. And Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbor, by telling a story. This is a huge thing with Jesus, storytelling to get points across to make principles understood. He's going to help the scholar understand the concept of neighbor, and he's going to tell a story to let you and I understand the fact that you and I are in the people business. That whenever and whoever is in need, they're our neighbor. The story is about a man who leaves his home in Jerusalem and is traveling on a, on a business trip to the city of Jericho. If you've ever traveled in that region, you know that it's quite a, quite a bit of a trip. It's not very long. It's 17 miles in length. But from the time you leave Jerusalem till you get to Jericho, you have gone down 3,000 feet. Not only that, but the road twists and turns. There are cliffs on either side of the road. It can be a, a most frightening trip as you travel. And in the twists and in the turns, there are bandits that are hiding. They're looking. They're waiting for, for a victim to appear so that they can make some easy money. The man arrives at a certain spot in the road, and the robbers attack him viciously. They take everything, his wallet, his clothes, his papers. But, but what's worse is that the beating is so severe that he's left unconscious. He's left half dead, unable to care for himself, not even able to call out help to anyone. He's laying there on the floor. Of, or laying there on the ground, hanging between life and death. This man is in very serious danger, and he needs help. The, the next traveler that happens to come along the road that day, the, right after the beating, the next one who comes is a, is a religious cleric, more accurately, a priest. In the scriptures, priests have one job and one job alone. And, and, and that job is to represent, to take the love of God to people and, and to allow, to help people to come back and discover the love of God themselves. To go where they are and to meet them at their need and to connect hurt with answer in God. So who better to come along than a priest who is expected to love people? Not only that, but both the priest and the victim were Jews, and so, so they were God's chosen people. So the, the most natural thing to do would be to, to help a brother in distress. But that's not what, what happened at all. When the cleric saw the man in distress laying naked, bloody, 
and unconscious, he angled to the other side of the road so that he would not have to get involved. He he had an important conference to attend, a a vital sermon to, to write, and important people to see. There's no time for someone who's most likely going to die anyway. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 isn't in his ears, isn't tattooed to his heart. The, the, the instruction, love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Treat him in the same way that you'd want to be treated. That's not part of his thinking. It's not part of his agenda today. And so the representative of God moves past the man in need and pays him no attention. A very sad commentary on the state of, of, of religion, on the state of human kindness, on the, on the hardness of human heart. There is no hope for the victim of crime. He's just going to die. However, shortly after that, another per- person comes by. And the story tells that this man is a Levite. Now, now Levites were descendants of Jacob's son, Levi. And they had been appointed to be, of the tri- uh, uh, that tribe had been appointed to be helpful, to, to assist priests in the work of, the, of, of worship that went on inside the place of worship. The, the equivalent would be our elders, wise, godly, spiritual leaders that help the people grow close to God. The next man who appears is a Levite, is an elder. And he sees the man, but he doesn't stop either. He just keeps going. Places to go, people to see, things to do. I don't have time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. It's it's hard to help you understand the, the twist that the next part of the story takes. It's hard to to reveal to you the impact, the the surprise, the shock, the dismay that a Jewish crowd would have when Jesus puts the hero in this story. Imagine the most racist person you know. David and I went to Washington, D.C., and we went to the Smithsonian, and I have a picture standing in front of Archie Bunker's chair. Several of you are too young to know who Archie Bunker is, but I laughed at Archie Bunker because he reminded me of some of the folks in my family. So imagine the Archie Bunker in your world, a person who if they were injured in in a car accident and the only person that would be willing to stop and help them would be a recently arrived Syrian refugee. That they've, they've been knocked unconscious and they come sort of to and the only face they see is a smiling Syrian whom in their head and in their heart they believe is going to steal Canadian jobs and bring the entire country into Sharia law. No love lost, no... No admiration for the gumption that it takes to pull up roots, lose everything, and come and set up a life altogether. 
If you think of it that way, you have some insight as to what's going on here in the story of Jesus. You have some insight as to how offended, how indignant his Jewish audience would have been that the hero of the, of the story is a Samaritan man. A Samaritan, someone that Jews by their own man-made, not their God-given laws, but their man-made laws, were not allowed to speak to, work with, or even shake hands with comes down the road and he sees the man who lays beaten in the middle of the road and he recognizes that the situation is dire. And here's a word that we picked up last week from, from our study. The Samaritan is filled with compassion. His heart breaks. He's, he's, he's moved not only by what he sees, but he knows he has to do something. His heart goes out to the poor man. He doesn't avoid the person. He cannot walk past the need like the other two does. Did He stops and he invests his time, his talent, his treasure into helping this man. He, he gives the man first aid. He puts splints on broken appendages. He disinfects and bandages wounds. He, he carefully, gingerly lifts the man onto his own donkey and carefully, gently moves him to a nearby inn. And he continues throughout the night to, to nurse, to look after, to bring health to the man. We've been watching for this week as Storm Florence comes towards the eastern coast of the United States. We've watched as first responders have run to people in distress, not run away from danger. It always amazes me that there are selfless people who run toward people who are in need wherever, whenever there is a disaster that is found. People who refuse to run for safety, but run to people who are in danger. We're going to get to the rest of the story next Sunday. However, this is your call. This is my purpose. This is our responsibility to serve, to help, to love, to go, for, go toward people who are in need. Our family is in the people business. It's the heartbeat of our Father. It's, it's in our DNA as his followers, as his believers, as his, as his children. So God so loved people that he gave everything that he had, his one, his only son, so that, that they could have life. Our family is in people business. We go where we find people in need. We, we respond wherever, whenever we are needed. We, we help whoever comes across our path. We love the people that Jesus puts in our pathway. We, we come back to those three things that I pointed out to you at the very beginning of this message. The three things God wants us to understand. In, in view of our business, they become very important points of understanding. Very important because our competition, the one who hates our father and works full-time, overtime to to undermine and destroy our mission. He will attack these three understandings in an attempt to keep you from being involved in the family enterprise. You need to understand that relationship in God's heart, relationship is, is key to understanding who He is and what He wants us to do. Relationship is everything. 
So our enemy will do everything that he can do to keep us from a good, strong relationship with God. To keep us from having a close connection. He will attempt to convince us that we are too wise, too busy, too independent, too sinful, too hopeless to connect with God. He will distract us to keep and keep us chasing our tails so that we, we don't commit our time to the Word and to prayer and to, to coming together and as, as he tells us to do, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. Don't forsake the health and the healing and the encouragement that comes together when we come together. And do not leave it, especially as it gets closer and closer and closer to the return of Christ. If we can be distracted from relationship with God, it's only a step or two of offense and difficulty before we walk away from our call, before we walk away from the family business, before we look for something that's just easier to do. Again, there's, there's a push by the forces of our competitor to keep us from fulfilling the God-given request of establishing relationships with others. There, there's an attempt to make you believe that that love is a feeling, and that if you don't have that feeling, just walk away. When, when you become hurt, when you become disappointed and disillusioned in relationship and feel like you'd like to wander off to the caves of Lac des Arcs just on this side of the Banff gates and, and live in one of those caves alone and separated from everybody. If, if he can distract you from that part of your call, then you can easily be knocked off track and it won't be long before you forsake the family business, loving the people that God puts in your path. We're called to be in good, healthy, loving, serving relationships. I'm going to ask that those who are going to serve communion would make their way back and I'm going to ask that the, the music team would come. Finally, you're here with a God-given purpose. You have a voice. You have been given a mission. I, I, I want to declare this boldly and, and clearly this morning in the hope that it, it takes root in your heart. I need you. I want you to hear what I'm saying. You are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. You are not a disappointment to God. You are here with a purpose. God has given you a voice. He's given you a purpose. You are here this morning in the will of God. I come against the lying whispers of, of an enemy that, that causes you to wonder if there really is a God. If he really loves you. I stand here this morning and declare this truth. The Lord directs the steps of your life. He delights in every detail of your living. I come against the thought of self-harm and suicide that is represented in lives in this place. I come against every lie that belittles and demeans the love of God that is extended to each and every one of us. I cancel every tormenting whisper that says that you somehow do not matter. Your life doesn't. Your life won't count. The truth is this. God delights 
in every aspect, every detail of your life. Everything else is a lie. He loves you more than you can measure, more than you can understand, more than you can grasp. John 8 records the words of Jesus and he says that the devil is a liar and that lies are his native language. He cannot speak a sentence without it being a lie. That it's an important thing to understand when when you're told you have no purpose, that you will never succeed, that you're a major disappointment to God and to the people that are around you. You can be assured that this is a lie designed to keep you from fulfilling your purpose. You are here. You are in this service. You are alive and awake to my voice right now because you are in the purposes of God. Through the night, I've just been fighting through this whole thing. How can I make it clear? Because there are people here this morning who need to understand, need to know. You're not a waste. You are, the, you are in the purposes of God. He knows every detail of your life. In this house, this house is a safe place for people who share the same faith and and love of God. We, We serve each other so that we can learn how to serve outside this house effectively, powerfully, with a lasting impact. The reason that I've asked you to find your person is that in that assignment, you will grow in your sensitivity to the needs of others. You will hear crying when there are no tears. You will be able to to look into an angry face that looks like it's wanting to beat the living daylights out of you and you will see the request, the plea for help. You will learn how to recognize the need for love in a defiant, rebellious attitude and respond with hope. You will learn when to be quiet and when to just listen. You will discover that it really is the best thing that giving of yourself, giving of what you have is always better than getting. Always, always. You will understand the meaning of the verse that I read earlier when when Paul said about investing our time, our talent, our treasure and family business. He, He will pour out blessings on you, on me in astonishing ways so that you are ready for anything, ready for everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. Our mission, our purpose, our call, the family business is people. This morning we come to this table. It's a table of commitment. A table where we're reminded that he loved us so much that he gave his only life, his only son to us. It's a table of devotion. A table where right at the very beginning of this year, we can come together and we can say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. I'm here. I recognize that I have a purpose and I want to fulfill that purpose. I want to be part of what you're doing and what you've got planned. It's a table of sacrifice where where no matter what we think it's going to cost, it's never as much as what he already paid just so that we could have life in him. 
So this morning, everyone here is eligible to take part in, in communion. You don't have to be a part of our church. You don't have to be a member. If you're here, if you love Jesus or if you want to love Jesus, I want you to take the emblems and we're going to have an opportunity for you to, to do that. But as they're passing out, just take the elements, take the cup and take the bread and just hold on to it until we all, all are ready. But as you do that and as they're singing, you just pray, God, I'm dedicating myself to the family business in a brand new way. Go ahead, folks, and you do that and you lead us in worship. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Oh, he died for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child.
Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never had relationship. You've never invited Christ into your life. You, you haven't taken the time to go after that first primary principle. You'd like to say this morning that, yes, I want to invite him into my life. Or, or perhaps you have at one point in time, but you've just gotten too busy. You've drifted apart. There's not the closeness of relationship that you once knew. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and look at me? And, and when, we, when our eyes meet, then, then you can take your, your hand down. But we want to pray. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else here this morning? Just take a moment. Will you pray together with me? Father, thank you for loving me. I didn't understand how deeply you loved me. Your word has put a light on my heart today. I want you to forgive me for everything that has divided us. I want to be your son or daughter. I want to have you in my life. I want to be involved in the family business. Take my life. Do with it as you will. I trust you. I want to please you. I want the smile of the Father on my life. So Father, today there's been folks in this room who've prayed that for the very first time. There have been those who have wandered away and they've come back and, and they're asking that. And so Father, you take that very seriously. And I, I just ask that right now that they would sense something of that smile of approval on their life. That there would come instantly a peace that passes all understanding over their hearts and over their minds in Christ Jesus right now. I pray that there would be a release of joy and of faith and of understanding that the way they walked into this room isn't how they're going to walk out. That there's a brand new thing that's happened, that's occurred right now. Be with them in a special way. Let them know that with the taking of these communion emblems, they're, they're part of the family. They belong. They're, they're in your purpose. They're in your sight. They're, they're, your hand is holding theirs and you're more concerned about their daily lives and details than they are themselves. So, Father, first of all, we want to thank you as a church for this moment in our history. We thank you for 45 years that you've been faithful to this congregation. That you've been here, that people have gotten saved and changed and they've grown in faith. And we thank you for all of that. But God, it's only made us hungry for more. And so we cry out and we say, God, let this be the greatest year. Let this be the greatest year of our history. Let more people find you. Let more people be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let more people sense and know the call that's on their life and the fulfillment that comes through that. God, we're looking forward. And so we, we devote ourselves to you here at this moment. As you devoted yourself to us on a cross and said, whether you accept it or not, it's my gift to you, life eternal. Father, we, we stand here, we sit here today and we say, we devote our lives to you. We love you with all of our strength, with all of our mind, with all of our ability. And we determine, we 
choose this morning to follow you. It was in an upper room that Jesus had gathered the folks that were his followers. It was the Passover celebration of the time in Moses' life when the people of Israel were about to be set free from their captivity. And he said, this is a new kind of setting free. This is a new season in a life of faith. He said, there is a captor who has held your lives. And he said, I've come to to be your liberator, to set you free. And and he took the bread, the Passover bread, and he broke it and gave thanks and said to to those that were there and to us here today, this is my body, which is broken for you. Your sin will be canceled. Death will have no claim on you. Sickness is not going to dominate your lives. I will be everything that you need me to be when you need me to be it. So with thanksgiving, we take the bread and we thank him and we eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He took the cup after supper he said, this, this cup is symbolic of the pouring out of my life's blood. From the beginning of time, there's been no forgiveness, no, no getting rid of sin without the shedding of blood. But this is going to be the one and final time that will ever be needed. My blood will be poured out for you. My life blood spilt and spent for you. this morning it takes on new meaning as we as we dedicate ourselves and say father we don't know how many days we have left but whatever we have left we want to spend them for you we want to pour out our life in service we want to build the family business we want to see as many people as we can both in our family circles and in our in our friendship circles in this city in this country and around the world we will spend our lives to see as many as we can come to know you come to love you, come to serve you. So we not only celebrate your spilling your blood for us, but we commit to spilling our lives out in service and in love for you. Take the cup and together let's give thanks and consume it together. Stand up and raise your hands. Raise your voice and give him thanks. Give him praise. Let it be a sustained praise. Let it be a loud and an audible praise. Let it be a grand offering. Father, thank you for everything you've done. What, what more could I do? What, anything else but giving my life to you would be way too little. I pour out my life for you today. I, I desire to... to, to, to honor you with all the days of my life, with everything you put in my hand, to love people like you love them, to serve and to reconcile lost people with you and who you are. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. Come on, church. We love you. We love you. We love you. We worship you, Father. There's no one like you. There's no better way to spend a life. There's no better way to connect with purpose and with meaning in our life. We love you, Father.
We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. Can we sing that chorus together? Father, we love you. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. and there will come a whisper, a condemnation within minutes, within hours, within a couple of days. Who do you think you are? Don't you remember what you've done? Don't you remember what you do? Don't you remember what's causing you problems and difficulties? Take this song with you. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You're a liar, and I don't care about you, but I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You've got papers that you can fill out, and because remember, we have three things. We want a place in the house to serve. We want to find our person, and we want to invest our lives, our abilities, finance our our time to build the house this is going to be a great year don't forget if you're free this after this afternoon five o'clock at the c3 west pastor phil is there i know you'll be enriched some of you have got a wedding to go to we'll see you there you're blessed you're loved you're prayed for every week god bless you you're dismissed